if I end up hanging out at the tap room on a Friday when I get done with work and I'm talking to somebody that drove up from Illinois or from wherever and I'll go home, grab a bottle. Yeah, now you're going to have a bunch yeah, of people yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. coming up we'll, here to talk we'll, to you. We'll yeah, cut no, that no, yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> I will bludgeon them with that. <laughs> Just for talking to me. Alright. <laughs> Cheers. Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast, powered by Shepherd Express. And we'll be getting to Anello and Simon from Central Waters in just a moment. Throughout the episode, you'll be hearing us sampling and commenting on the entire Brewer Reserve lineup from Central Waters. And tonight, we're getting started with the Barrel-Aged Stout and the Cherry Stout. So this is super exciting. Coming in on our second part of our three-part interview series with Central Waters. And Andy, this uh, this stout is actually last year's version, right? Which is the most recent. Uh, the new one has not come out yet. No, it has not. So this would be the most aged of all... all the six beers we're trying tonight yeah that's coming in real nice nice chocolate notes on that the 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 barrel has really settled into this beer very nicely it's not a real high abv it's not like some of their bigger you know the anniversary beers and the the black gold fantastic flavor on this thing just just a damn good barrel aged out it's got a touch of hotness on it still even after a year the barrels come in through great get a lot of ton vanilla oak and a little bit of chocolate is it weird to say almost slash barley wine it's because it's not that heavy I would agree, that, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't say barley no, wine. No, I'm not getting barley wine on no, this. This is straight up stout for me. Yeah, this, mm, it still has that... Maybe it's maybe just that year of aging. It's just a pretty straightforward barrel-aged stout to me, and this is their bread and butter. This is where all the anniversaries and the black gold, it all expounded off of the original barrel-aged stout. And, you know, you'll see in the first part of this interview that Anello, this is one of his favorite beers. It's one that he talked glowingly about in the last part of the interview. Yeah, not much else to say just a fantastic stout now how does this compare to the the cherry version so it's basically the same stout that's been laid over uh door county cherries for well over a year maybe where that stout kind of mellowed out maybe that's where i'm seeing that barley wine but this has definitely like some body and that tartness of the cherries i think it's super tart coming out and this was the most recent release which was a couple weeks ago that this came Mm -hmm. out yeah this is really really tart Uh, the cherries are super fresh in this this I, I want to taste this after a year. Yeah, I actually prefer it after a year. It, it comes off almost a little too sour. I mean, not not into the sour territory, but there's there's a sourness to it that I love when it uh, it kind of dissipates a bit, kind of falls into the rest of the beer. I think it's a lot more blended after about a year. So this is definitely one that I would recommend aging the uh, the mm-hmm. cherry stout. So speaking of sours, we learned about their Exodus sour, and uh, we when we get into the interview, we're going to learn about that and rumors of uh sour program and we've got the rest of the brewers reserve series coming out uh we're going to talk to jesus about his uh, trip up to river run this past weekend that must have been a lot of fun right now let's just get right into the interview and now uh so i gotta <coughs> claim some ignorance here what is exodus Exodus for us was uh this goes back a ways let's see i'll start from the beginning they're a f- 
few guys that for a long time have been good friends of ours that work for New Belgium. And uh, New Belgium's been a fantastic brewery to work with for asking questions, needing ingredients, whatever. They've always been willing to help a hand, even for a really small brewery like Central Water. So I give them tons of props for that. Way, way back in the day, we wanted to make a sour beer. You know, that was kind of like, it wasn't as big of a thing now as it was way back then. Uh, but we wanted to make one. We were at New Belgium uh, during the Great American Beer Festival, actually, visiting them, and we were looking at their big oak footers where they're making... Uh, what's La Folie. La Folie, thank you. Uh, they're making La Folie. And so La Folie is a blend of, uh, like, a sort of a lighter and a darker beer. That's the time it was. I don't know what they do now. They allowed us to pull a couple growlers out of each one with all the live bacteria in it. So we brought those growlers back here, and we dumped them into bourbon barrels that we put a beer that we make called Shine On, which is a super easy drinking red ale, and then we added Door County cherries to it. So it's this cherry, red ale, sour beer. Simon's pissed because I'm like, wait, give me the recipe or something? What are you pissed about right now? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we started doing that, and then that became a blend of all our stuff. And, and then it ended up this as this beer called Exodus. That was this very approachable, easy-drinking sour beer that people just love the shit out of. you know. And, and, and we made it for a couple of years. Why and was it called Exodus? I don't remember why we called it Exodus. I seriously don't. Do you know? Wasn't it Craig? It might have been Craig, but... Um, oh no no no! It's not because Craig left. Oh. No no, there's a there's a guy here named Craig that's a good friend of ours that that left. That's not why we called it Exodus. Oh, it's like saying we called it Rift because we all fucking hate each other. That's, that's <laughs> it's not, Craig. No shit, no, that's not at all why. It's Every Central Water's name is actually Pat. I don't aggressive. remember why. We it. See, that's all. There's all hidden meanings. We've been this beer for a couple of years, and then at the end of the lifespan of Central Waters making sour beers. We made two other sour beers that I think were just, they're so, so good. They're really good beers. One was called, and I'm proud of this name myself, it was called Boys in the Wood. It was a boysenberry nice. sour barrel-aged beer, Boys in the Wood, like awesome, loved it. And the other one was a plum one called Plums Were on Sale, because that's why we bought the plums because plums were on sale, and that's what we decided to call it. Both of them are really good beers. And then that was at the start of our process of building a lab here. And we brought in a consultant who was like the head of yeast and QC for Miller Coors for multiple decades. <clears throat> and, he, and he came in and looked at it, and the first thing he said was, I would take that sour beer off of tap. Like we talked about earlier, think of your tap room. There's no separation from your brew house to your tap room. And that shit goes in the drains and can sporulate and kick out spores and affect your brewery just by having it on tap. So that pretty much killed our sour beer program at that point. And, you know, here we are sitting amongst 4,000 oaks. Now I think our lab program, I like, you know, the only person here that really knows a shitload about the lab program is the lab guy himself, Everett. But I think we're all competent enough to be dangerous when it comes to that stuff. And I don't think any of us would agree that, that we're going to age a sour beer amongst what we have going on here. So we killed the sour program. And, and I've been vehement that we're never doing it again, that other people make good sour beers, and that's it. Yeah, because it, it is really quite dangerous. For the other breweries that we've been to, they have negative pressure rooms separated from the rest of their beer. They've got... Who's got that? Where the fuck have you guys been going? Uh, Mobcraft. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. They've got a negative the, pressure sour room. on those guys. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, their barrel aging, their sour barrel aging room is negative pressure. This is just like one of those dudes sitting there like blowing <laughs> in the room so like more air comes out and comes in. It's a very big straw. <laughs> it's just no, a big straw. There's actually 12 bathroom fans hooked together, lined together. 
and they're all just sucking out at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good call. So it is is really dangerous. (laughs) And uh, I imagine we haven't talked a lot to uh, a lot of barrel aging guys. What's your kind of loss uh, that you have? Like, do you experience any loss just from a barrel going bad or just having... Just emotional, mostly. (laughs) Mostly emotional, yeah. A lot of sleepless nights, a lot of crying. Yep. Uh, Hugging... Hugging your pillow, you know. Yeah. Barrel staves are my pillow, though. I use barrel staves. <laughs> and so I hug the barrel staves a lot when I cry. When you first started doing the salty, sours. Salty beers, yeah. When you first started doing the sours, how much did you end up dumping? <laughs> dumping? Yeah. Sours are already fucking bad. Yeah. Well, I can't make them worse. Yeah, you can't make them bad again. A lot of it's in a glass of though, right? You just blend it. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Um, no, we didn't really see any loss with the sour beers. When it comes to the regular barrel-aged beers, of course there's loss. Like, like that's 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 part of the game. And so what the challenge becomes on a QC level in a barrel-aged program is you accept the fact that barrels are going to be bad because you don't have control over that because you don't know what the state of the barrel is coming in. Who knows? Maybe the bung popped out in transit and a bunch of fruit flies flew in it and a fucking trucker just threw another bung in and now you got a barrel full of fruit flies and a year later it's bad beer. So the goal for us is to catch that beer before it gets blended in the packaging. And so the dump rate varies greatly from batch to batch, broker to broker, barrel to barrel, year to year. It's all over the board. We've had some that have, like, since we've been doing super hardcore testing, there's been batches, I'd say, that we've had almost zero. I'm saying, like, large scale, to 30%. Depends. The important part is you have to just accept the fact that it's going to happen. You just got to catch it. So one thing that's really exciting about what you guys are doing here at Central Waters is that you're actually expanding your barrel warehouse. It sounds like it's almost going to be double the space that you're currently at. Is there any plans to expand into a sour program once that expansion is done? We're starting the process. It's a separate off-site facility, so it won't be at this brewery location. So it's going to be a couple miles from here. It's going to be a real small program to start out with, but we're going to and we're just going to basically start with small bottle releases and see where it goes. So it's it'll probably be, I don't know, what do you think, like a year down the road? Oh, I think we're at a solid, solid year more out from it. Yeah, a year. But again, like really yeah. small stuff, like just boutique. More just from the perspective of, from a beer lover perspective and like the history of Central Waters and that being a part of a program for a short period of time. I think it makes sense to, to do it again if we can do it safely from a employer perspective, and I don't think I've ever said this to Simon directly like this, but from an employer pers- like perspective, you can tell like Simon and I are good buddies as we've been joshing back and forth. Like maybe he thinks of it as a boss employee relationship, but I, I think it transcends that a little bit. Making, <laughs> making beers like that is a real, it's a very creative project. Making a sour beer is extremely creative. Like the dudes at Oso are very creative. Like they're doing some really cool stuff. You know, yep. I give them tons of props for what they do. I love those guys. They're good friends of ours, and like it's awesome to see them doing that. You know, and, and getting better every year. And it's just it's cool. So you know, Simon's interested in doing it, and Everett, our lab guy, is interested in doing it. You know, because he's interested in the microbe side of it, right? It's my job and Paul's job as the employer of very creative individuals to provide them the outlet to do that. Not just because I think that's like we're a family here and a piece of my family wants to do something. Let's find a way to provide that outlet for you. And there's also like, if I don't do it, maybe they go somewhere else to find that outlet to do it. So let's give them the outlet so they don't leave. <laughs> go somewhere else to do it. But I, I, I think it, it'll be a fun thing to do. We're definitely known for barrel aging. And I think uh, small boutique 
boutique, really off the wall, grow your own fruit, do crazy shit. Nothing that you're going to like see. I, I don't see a time frame where it's readily available at a liquor store, let's put it that way. This would be real small boutique, fun, under a different name probably even. Hmm. A side project. Nice. Not to bastardized side project but like you know a side like, like for real a side project like let's do this this is fun this is creative this is boutique this is this is engaging you know brewing beer is half art and half science and uh we've been heavily focused on the science for a long time and i think there's we're very due to catch up on the art side yeah so let's talk simon won't be here anymore <laughs> oh god <laughs> he's barely here now <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why he meant it'll be <laughs> That's why he's looking for. He'll be sent back to Seabull for some more classes. <laughs> yeah, they'll shit me off somewhere. They'll learn you. They'll learn you. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the anniversary program. Uh, so back in your 16th anniversary was the one that really kind of put your barrel aging program on the map. That's the one that won a ton of 14? awards. 14. 14. 14. Well, 14 won a gold at the JBF, and then 16 won a gold at the World, World Beer Cup. Which I would argue is the most prestigious award in the beer community, period. Because yep. it only happens every two years, and it's more international. So 14 puts you on the map, and 16 really cemented that place. I would argue that Burn Barrel Stout, which didn't win those medals, put us on the map. Because medals are an arbitrary thing. We don't put a lot of weight behind them, frankly. But, you know, winning the World Beer Cup was pretty fucking awesome, I'll say that. That was pretty cool. He didn't tell this story about the Y2K, but the first the first medal that Brewery won was Y2K barley wine, which is the same base recipe for bourbon barrel barley wine. And yeah, that's, true. that's actually the first beer that Anello walked in. That's true. My first day at the brewery. Yeah. I brewed that shit. Yeah. Wow. Was walking in on a catastrophe, which is, <laughs> which is actually, I didn't even mean that, but that yeah. was actually Y2K catastrophe ale. That's why was I was the name of that, that beer. Yeah. Yeah. It was a kind of a clusterfuck of a brew day and he walked in and had to help out with it but they won a bronze medal at the world beer cup for that beer was that did that beer age out in the basement of junction city oh yeah and and floating when the basement would flood (laughs) (laughs) they aged it it out in stainless steel dirt hand dug basement yeah it was the old hoff stevens barrels back then which a lot of people have no idea what that is but it's the the original barrels were called hoff stevens the original half barrels in the side and a two-pronged tapper you had a screw in not like the sinky kegs we have today that's got the lever action thing you filled it through the wooden bung in the side that's how you filled the kegs and then you slam a wooden bung in it and but we'd throw them in the basement of Christmas city and we'd brew it in the winter it was dry and the spring would come and the basement would flood and they'd float and it was disgusting and gross and <laughs> someone had to go down there in waders and get the sump pump worked in and here we had this beer floating in these kegs like amongst like absolute nastiness and Somehow we made good beer out of that place. <laughs> <laughs> and actually won a bronze medal at the World Beer Cup. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. yeah. We've been, we've, I mean, that's a fair point to, to bring up is when it comes to aging beers for the consumer, we've been doing it from the get-go. Like, literally from the get-go. Because Y2K was, we brewed Y2K in the first year that Central Wars was really in business. Within the first 12 months, we brewed Y2K. That was my first brew. And I walked in to see if Drum wanted to hire me. And he's like, you want a job? Put on those fucking boots and get in the kettle. Right. You know, and I, and I did. <laughs> and I scrubbed the shit out of the kettle and was working there ever since. And yeah, and we aged that beer for a year because that was the idea. It was like it was too hot, it was too hoppy, it wasn't that malt bomb we were looking for. So we aged it for a year. So from the get go, we've been aging beers until they're ready for the consumer. Let's talk about the the base beer on some of the anniversary. For 16, the one that really, you know, 
you said it's most prestigious award that you guys have ever won. It was the uh, the Fat Elvis, is what you guys called it internally. And then I've heard that the Fat Elvis mm, was no, uh, that's not right. no? sixteen. Yeah, yeah probably. sixteen is its own recipe. Now, is it true that the the recipe for the sixteen was also used partially in the nineteen? Because it's gotten a lot of comparisons back to the sixteen. How much you want to talk about? Oh, um, oh, oh now, now we're gonna do the this. This is gotcha journalism at its finest. You just thought oh, it was oh, over. Oh, we're done. We thought we're done. It's the best piece. Let me get you drunk and get me drunk. Can I give away all the secrets? <laughs> all right. So fourteen, fourteen, woman gold at the JBF. Fourteen was only aged for one year. Okay. Fourteen months. Fourteen months. In fourteen-year-old bourbon. In fourteen-year-old bourbon barrels. Hence the name fourteen, fourteen. That's cool. Fifteen was fourteen aged that extra year. Sixteen then was its own brand new stout aged for two years. But then after that, it was really like a thing of like 16 won this gold medal, and we're like, holy shit. Well, we have a 17th anniversary coming up, but we don't fucking have that beer, <laughs> you know, like ready to go. People are gonna be so we up had here. other stouts that we had brewed that we kind of made a blend. And, and then that kind of sparked that trend of there are lots of breweries that do these huge annual bottle releases, and it's the same beer every year, right? I like the fact, like, we do that intentionally. It's a different stout blend now every year. So while the same stout bases are part of it, the base for Ardia was Fat Elvis. The only time that Fat Elvis has been released as its own thing was Ardia and Sickness. Wow. Okay. Past that, it's a blend into the anniversary beers and hence Black Gold. 16, we rebrewed, and that became a blend with the Fat Elvis. And then other styles, maybe it's the maybe it's the base for Space Coast, or it's the base for something else. And we, and we make blends on what we have available and where it's sitting in the flavor profile to hit the volumes that we're looking for. So it's every year is slightly different. So you have barrel variants every year, because barrel variants is the biggest the biggest thing that changes the flavor of a product is the, is the different barrels. When you're sampling barrels side by side, there are times where you could swear it's not the same base beer. But it is filled from the same right. tank on the same day. But the two barrels taste drastically different. That's where the blending art comes in. The anniversary beers are blends of Fat Elvis and 16 and Space Ghost Base without the chili peppers and, and all these other things that we just create. So it's different every year because I think for people that want to come to a party like that and spend that money and spend that time, that effort to come here, I shouldn't be making the same fucking beer every year. Like, it's still stout. The thing that I love the most is hearing uber beer nerds talking about those and like, oh, yeah, the 19, that's eh, good. Not as good as 18, eh, which is better than 17. <laughs> 16 was a thing. That's an awesome conversation for beer drinkers to be having about my brand. I mean, we had a fantastic conversation just the other night. We sat down and did 16, 17, 18, 19, and the Maple Bourbon Barrel. Sure. But it was... And Every single one was them, right? completely different. Don't you appreciate that as a good beer drinker, that they are different every year? And that's the enigma of that party, is you can come and you have no idea. Is this going to be the next 16? Or is this going to be another 17? Because 17 fucking sucked, right? Like, that's the conversation you get to have. <laughs> we all like 17. I, I, I like think 17 was awesome, you know? Um, it, it's got a little acidic pop to it. Yeah. 17 was definitely, especially when it was... Fresh seventeen was really roasty. Oh, super! It was the yeah. most. It was yeah. the most roasty out of all of them. Yeah. It's but I think you can see, which I like roasty stouts. But uh, I think yeah. you can see the progression of our blending because seventeen was the first blend. I think you can see the progression of us learning the art of blending these stouts as seventeen, eighteen, nineteen went on. Because nineteen to me was like dead nuts. Like that's that's what we were looking for. Was nineteen to me was. 
We had the chocolate. We had. These guys hate 19, by the way. The caramel. That's good for them. It came in second to the 16th. Yeah, yeah it did. Yeah. See, yeah. yeah. Like, I honestly, so, I, like, like, I can't wait me. for the black gold, knowing that it's the 19 that's been aged even longer. Right, yeah. I just, I can't wait. Yeah. We get it a lot. Like, why don't you just keep making 16? I want the gold. <laughs> you know? That's but, boring. You know, but again, you have to go back to what I said earlier. Like, we run this place to outlive us. So if I was looking for quick money over the next five years, I'd just brew up. I would fill this building with 16 and sell it across the country. From two of the guys who are producing it, which one of the anniversary babies is, is your favorites? Do you want... Uh, I can give you my standard answer on that. Because I have an answer for that. It's not a fair question. It's okay. a shitty question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bullshit answer, I'll grant you. But it's the truth. It's like asking me which of my children is my favorite. Oh, you have one, though. Oh, I totally have one. <laughs> but you don't talk about that shit, man. You don't tell it out loud. Right, yeah. of course not. Well, you tell everyone there. Amongst all of my babies here, I'm not going to say it out loud. You tell each one. Get angry. Yeah, you tell each one they're your favorite. Yeah. So which There's one was your favorite, though? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know that I have a favorite. I appreciate all of them for their unique qualities and differences. How about that for a bullshit answer? How about you, Simon? What was your favorite? At uh, 19. 19 was your yeah. favorite, yeah? Yeah, the other one sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 19 was my favorite. I liked it better than... Uh, 16 was, I mean, 16 was, I mean, it was... It was gorgeous, yeah. but 16 was amazing. But honestly, I, it's been a while since I had, I still have a couple more 16s in my, my closet, but... And why aren't they here? So we're coming <laughs> over later. <laughs> honestly, I... I have so much beer. I give it out. I give it out like it's candy now. Again, to why is it? Not I give it to. I give bottles to my. You have to go trick or treating at Simon's house. You four show up. Trick or treating at Simon's house, and he will give you bottles. If, beer. When people come, <laughs> if I end up hanging out at the tap room on a Friday when I get done with work, and I'm talking to somebody that drove up from Illinois or from wherever, and. I'll go home, grab a bottle. Yeah, now you're going to have a bunch yeah. of people yeah, 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 we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. coming up we'll, here to talk we'll, to you. We'll yeah, cut no, that no, out. Yeah, yeah, you set yourself up. And I will bludgeon them with that. <laughs> <laughs> Just for talking to me. <laughs> uh, you're too nice. No, I give I give them away to my dentist. Like I like I'm not joking. I'll break I, the, the I, biggest I, asshole in your life. You give it to no. no I, I got a I got well, a handwritten letter whites. from my dentist last week for the bottle of black gold I brought them like because I, I just they're really big beers we we usually get either a half like six six bottles to 12 bottles of all the specialty releases these guys are really generous and I like I just have so much of it besides you know opening one or two or, like in the winter season it's like I like to share them with guys like you and guys that don't get as much of them because between getting all the bottles and then having them on tap when we put them on tap in the tap room and all the special events we do, it's I get so many chances to drink this beer, it's ridiculous. Like I'd rather share them with people. So you you know, there's people at home right now doing the math. Like how quickly could I get through dentist school? And how remove <laughs> 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 the Amherst? I become Simon's <laughs> dentist. Set, set up a yeah. practice in Amherst. Honestly, yeah. honestly, you'd be quicker to just take a couple quick courses at Siebel. <laughs> Um, <laughs> right here. Email every brewery within a two-hour radius. Stop it, Stone Arch. Yeah. Well, I feel a lot of empathy for you there, Simon. Being on this crew, I, I feel your pain. So we're going to get into in this segment the Belgian style quad as well as the barley wine. Two real favorites of the show here. 
And we're also going to ask Jesus some questions about his experience at the River Run this past weekend. Jesus, that must have been a really fun event. So you had the black gold, you had people lined up for that, you have people lined up to actually do the River Run, Mm -hmm. and then you've also got people who are just showing up to drink the beer, right? Yeah, it was like a perfect storm. It It was actually intense. I was there early because I wanted to do the run, so I was there an hour early, and I actually parked maybe two rows from the parking lot, so if anybody's been there and definitely get there, it's pretty close to the actual tap room so i thought okay this is gonna be good but as soon as the race came that lot was full with everybody all at once and it was insane it was a lot of fun though i ran the race good route so when we were finished it was insane so where did they actually set up the tents well everything was set up actually the area where we interviewed the barrel room was all kind of cleared out and that was the place where the race pickup and they set up this tent right next to that building and this tent was as big as that building so they had everything um tented off on the side so they prepared for the rain the rain did come out later and just became kind of a mess. I left before that because people were lining up for black gold, which was going to be tapped, and they were already in line at 11, and the line was already reached until the end of the tent. So the stage was on one end, the tap for black gold was on the other, and the line was already at the band. It so was crazy. How many people actually got to register for the run? Because they had mentioned during the interview that they only sold 500 tickets to the actual black gold release. Yeah, that's a good question. A friend of mine who is kind of in the, the running scene was with me, and he finished in pretty pretty fast time. He was fourth overall and first in his age group. So he kind of hung around, talked to the race organizer. It was cut off at 1,400. So 1,400 people signed up for the run. Of those people, when I checked the time, a lot of them did not run. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you can imagine they were just there for the beer, which is which is cool. you know. And I think even Simon said you don't have to run. Well, but, it, it's cool because it's a charitable event. You know? right. You're paying some money to a charity in order to go buy a beer. There's no harm in that. And I've done like, you know, little 5Ks around here, and they're a lot more expensive than it, and you don't get a beer and all the other stuff that comes along with it. And so I thought it was a great deal. And, you know, it really does seem like every time I'm out at Central Waters, they've got some sort of charitable event going on. They they really do like to give back to the community, and, you know, it's it's really nice to see. Uh, you know what else is really nice to see? Some, uh, some glasses full of beautiful, <laughs> beautiful Central Waters nectar. So let's talk about these next two beers. We've got, we've got the Belgian Quad, which uh, was actually just on sale. I bought my first four-pack when we were out there for the interview and the other one is the uh the barley wine which you know some folks say one of the best barley wines they've ever had what where do you guys come down on these the barley one's really smooth i thought it was going to be a little bit you know coming out hot because i think i guess i'm used to that for barley wines you know just a little bit boozy with a little bit of sweetness but this is like really smooth it's that's great it almost feels like it's been sitting for a year honestly it tastes great i love belgian beers and this is probably one of my favorite favorite quads simply a fantastic beer yeah i i tend to agree with you andy i mean if we're looking at them side by side i have to go with the belgian there is just a beautiful delicate balance going on there that's really enhanced by the the bourbon barrel you know sometimes people just age things in bourbon barrels just just for shits and giggles this one there there was a lot of thought behind it it's what i would expect from central waters it's very complicated you know it's a couple layers in there it's really i think i think the barrel aging kind of takes away that belgian candy that you're gonna get from a quad yeah mm-hmm. and the uh, banana any esters are very, very muted background i mean you don't really have the clove phenols either coming through they're all kind of really mellowed down and you get a lot more of that kind of belgian malt and I'll admit, I might be a little bit biased. I, I'm not a huge barley wine fan. I can I can appreciate a really good one, and I've had some good ones. The, the Goose Island barley wine always stands out as one of the best. But this is just, this is a damn smooth beer. Well, that's the cool part of it, about this reserve series is I think the majority of these beers are, are sitting in a barrel for up to a year. 
12 months before you even you know packaged and released yeah there's was, a ton of there's a ton of aging already done for you as, as we've discussed in the interview anello and paul and simon they do a lot of the heavy lifting for you before the beer even gets to you and it, it shows in this barley wine it is very smooth for barley it's got minimal hotness. So what do you think, boys? Throw it back to the interview, and then we come back with uh, everybody's favorite, the Cassian Sunset. Yeah, that sounds like a fun way to end it. Uh, we'll have the Cassian Sunsets and the Scotch Ale. But uh, yeah, let's get back into it, see what Simon and Nello have to say about uh, some more topics. Uh, so I'll tell you what, let's, you, let's talk about uh, the River yeah. Run and what you guys are setting up for that event. Yeah, so the River Run's an event we do every year with the Letty Jensen Center in Amherst here, uh, which is just like a local community center. So all the proceeds from the run go to benefit that. We always do a free 22-ounce bottle of beer for the runners, and we try to do something different every year. Justin Abrahamian, Abrahamian from Sanford Restaurant in Milwaukee, who Anello's pretty good friends with, um, has been wanting to do a collaboration beer with us for quite a while. Anello actually thought this would be a really good opportunity for us since we needed to kind of come up with kind of a one-off beer for the river run and we were going to have we we're going to have some extra besides the bombers that we needed for the for the run to sell afterwards so we worked with him on this beer and we threw out a handful of ideas for base beers for him to work with and kind of let him run with it and uh, totally found it in. yep yeah, he didn't do anything for this. <laughs> he totally phoned it in. Yeah. <laughs> Fucker. Hope you're listening. I hope you're listening. I love you, and I hope you're listening. <laughs> no, yeah, it's about 17% rye malt, breeze rye malt, and then tart cherries. Okay, uh, so when you guys say rye, it hasn't been aged in rye barrels. No, it's, it's not barrel Yeah, okay, so it's, 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 rye, a, it's a rye, it's malt. rye malt. Yeah, it's yeah. really nice. I like the, yeah. the Most interaction don't between... Most specify that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You say that's rye true. with us and people... People have, assume yeah, it's a whiskey yeah. barrel, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'll say that rye malt really adds a nice spicy character mm. to the to the cherry. There's a nice balance there. What's Good a, nose. What yeah. would you guys say we're supposed to be uh, tasting in this beer? The idea Justin had, we kind of went for with it, was it's supposed to be super drinkable. It's only 6.3% alcohol. It's supposed to be super drinkable and refreshing for a porter. Kind of crisp. Like, the idea I kind of had when I was coming up with the recipe for it and when he was describing the idea he had in his mind for it and kind of almost what you get when you look at the label for it is, like, when you step on leaves in the fall or, like, and you (laughs) smell leaves in the fall and that cold air in the fall, that crispness, that's kind of what you're supposed to get from that rye malt. Rye is kind of a sharp character to it. So that sharpness, the cherries, do you always think cherries are going to be sweet? But especially with uh, tart cherries, they're a little bit sour, a little, you know, they're tart. Uh, they're, they're a little bit sharp as well. There's chocolate and dark chocolate malt in this beer. And then the caramel malt. So, so there's, there's rye in this, and then there's caramel rye malt in this as well. So all that caramel malt kind of rounds all of that out. And then the way we hopped it kind of lets the rye do a little bit of the bittering as well. That sharpness kind of lets that round out the, the sweetness of the beer. So yeah, it's just a really clean, crisp, easy drinking porter. So it's really, it's kind of like what I, everything I like about beers. It's subtle. I like really subtle beers. I don't like hammer in your face beers so it's it's really easy drinking uh there's a lot of like nuances to it i'm i'm proud of it i like well you know keep in mind this is given to a bunch of runners after they're done running (laughs) and a lot of them like a lot of the runners are not beer folk and i remember one year i think it was the first it was the first year we did the run when black gold was in the 12 ounce bottle and we were selling 12 ounce bottles for 10 bucks just in a tent outside like there were no tickets you just walk up and buy as many bottles of black gold as you wanted 
because there was nobody here to buy it, you know? So it was two or three hundred runners probably that first year. And a small handful of like real beer geeks. And I remember the runners coming up, they finish a run five miles and they're done and they come up and they walk up to the tent and they're like, oh, ten bucks? Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> and then she uh, <laughs> drinking out the bottle and you'd see like the ten guys on the side like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I loved it. I was like, like I said, that's what that shit is for, man. Drink it right now. Drink it. That's Doug. Awesome. I loved it. It's been waiting I mean, three years. There were like in on that. a yeah. dozen people standing in the parking lot drinking it out of the bottle that they bought for ten bucks after their run. Wow. You know, yeah. drinking the first year of Black Hole. I, I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. This, that's, that, that, that's cool. I, not be, like, I bet they were hammered after a oh after running five dog, miles yeah. and pounding a twelve ounce bottle of Black yeah. Hole. It yeah. was a bunch of locals. <laughs> it was a bunch of locals. Yeah. 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 I called in sick to the plastic factory to come here. <laughs> to come here. I did the run that year. I called in. Sick Stick to the plastic <laughs> <laughs> well, I know this is an uh, Asian barrel, but we're obviously in the barrel room. Can you tell us where these barrels come from, how the selection gets made, of how your beer gets aged in these? Well, you know, we're at the point now with when, you know, what I talked about earlier when we started the barrel aging program, you know, we were buying direct from Buffalo Trace. That was before the boom of breweries making barrel aged beers and before the boom of bourbon and the popularity of bourbon. So a lot of people that come in here and they see this and they go, oh man, you know, you have a hard time getting it because you're buying so many. Like we're buying a lot comparatively to other brewers. We are not buying a lot comparatively to the number of bourbon barrels available on the market. Most bourbon barrels, they don't go to breweries. Breweries are a small portion of the outlet for used bourbon barrels. They're going to China, they're going to Japan, they're going to, you know. Scotland. Scotland, and that's a really tiny portion. Like, honestly, any, just about any other spirit you've had that's brown was aging a bourbon barrel again. So, rum, tequila, brandy, those are all coming out of second-use bourbon barrels, right? So those industries suck up the most of it. Um, so now we're at a point where we buy through brokers and we have a series of brokers that we've bought through over the years. We have some we really like that we know get us the right shit that we're looking for and the good stuff. Some that we know have given us some bad stuff that have hurt our products, so we don't buy from them. You're and so we're not in control of that. We get stuff like the barrels come in and it could be from anybody. It could be Heaven Hill, Jim Beam, not a lot of Jim Beam, but uh, Buffalo Trace, Wild Turkey. Heaven Hill? Yeah, I said Heaven Hill first. Oh. I know you just got here. But. Oh, sorry. I just showed up. <laughs> So you guys are in their position now, though, where spirit makers are actually approaching you to try and get you guys to use their barrels, correct? That has happened, yes. Care to name names? Well, I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk about it. It's, is, is it a quid, the big pro, ones quid happen, pro quo kind of thing? Not like, always, no. They and, want uh, their name on the on yeah, the barrel or on the, I'll uh, say the this. bottle. We have been approached, and it's never worked out. Like, when you get down the brass tacks, it always fell apart at the end. Jim Beam is a good example. Jim Beam wanted us to bring in all of their barrels. And, not, they, I mean, clearly not all of their barrels, because they make way fucking more bourbon than we would ever fill with, with beer, right? But to the point that we were like, this was years ago now, and we were talking with them about it, and they wanted, you know, there's like a branding thing they do where they want a Jim Beam on the label. And at the end of the day, like the question you guys are really asking, and, and this is the honest answer. This is not me giving you a bullshit answer on this because the, the question's common. It's one of the most common questions I get about barrel aging. What brand of bourbon do you use? And I'll just say, for us, because I can't speak for other brewers, for us, the brand of bourbon does not matter as much as the vintage of the bourbon that was in that barrel. That's the bigger factor in how the beer turns out than it is the brand that was in it. So we have brands from all over the place. And we like a, there's a certain age range we like to shoot for. So with like Jim Beam, like Jim Beam is a four-year-old, you know, bourbon, and that's just, 
generally speaking, that's too young for what we're looking for. And so we'd have to go into their higher tier stuff, and they were interested, and at the end that fell apart. For a while, we got some Corbel Brandy barrels. Corbel Brandy barrels are aged in Jack Daniels barrels. Jack Daniels, by every definition, is bourbon. They call themselves Tennessee whiskey, but it's, sure. it's bourbon by every bourbon definition. They only use them once, 51% corn, all that shit. So, so we aged some beers and some brandy barrels for a while. And, and, and you know, I mean, Corbell even sent some people from Corbell here to view our program and look at our stuff to give us like the stamp of approval that you're the Corbell place. And they were like, yes, you're the guys. And we had this, these plans for this like long-term brandy aged product line coming from Corbell because we're in Wisconsin and we're the barrel aging brewery for Wisconsin, right? So <laughs> Corbell sells more brandy in Wisconsin than they do every other state combined. We're the obvious choice. Then I don't know what fell apart. I think their brokerage program got sold to somebody else. And that just like, it was like somebody just shut the spigot off and just hung up the phone. Like we tried to call numerous times and the last contact I had was for the last time we're not interested in stop contacting us. Wow. So, um, but but this that's not for Bell, us. that was a brokerage yeah. program, you know. So I don't know how that works, but it's like okay. And so now you're into like the smaller boutique distillers and we're really privileged to have such an awesome distillery like Great Northern right down the road from here. Great Northern is making some really, really good spirits and we just had an email exchange today where he's like, hey, first brandy barrel's getting dumped. You want them? Fuck yeah, I want them. There's only like a hundred <laughs> gallons worth of capacity there. They're small, but I'll do something with them. In addition to the bourbon barrels, the rum barrels, the tequila barrels, you had mentioned that you're starting to do something in wine barrels now. What are the styles that you're doing and what can listeners look forward to coming out of Central Waters in a wine barrel? Simon Nielsen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so the first river run beer that we actually did, which was La Riviere Coulee, was just a Belgian blonde ale aged in wine barrels. And that was one of my favorite beers that we've yeah, ever that done was a here. Really good one. Yep, and that was right before I started here. So that beer was the River Run, October 2013, and then I started December 2013. Has it been that long already? Yeah. <laughs> it feels so much longer than that. <laughs> anyway, so we just got some wine barrels in, and we decided to fill them with that base beer again. So it's a Belgian Blondale and those wine barrels, but then we've also took a couple of those and filled them with some other fun stuff that'll be coming off on the side. That's... That's yeah, the stuff I'm looking forward to. It's like we told you guys earlier, like the, there's a portion of this program that's that it's just experimental. The attitude we have is if there's somebody that works here that, that comes up and says, Hey, what if we did this in a barrel? It's like you can do it, man. Oh, uh, literally like you guys, I don't know, did you try the Oktoberfest? Mitch Toberfest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one of our it's he's our we call him an assistant brewer, but he's a he's one of our brewers. Like yeah. so M- Mitch had an idea of an Oktoberfest aged in bourbon barrels and you guys were like, Yeah, we can do it, dude. Well, I, I came into work one day and he was filling two barrels off of our Oktoberfest tank. And I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) This isn't on the production schedule. What are you doing? And he was like, oh, I asked Paul if I could fill Oaks like bourbon barrels with Oktoberfest. And he said, okay. And I was like, awesome <laughs> so so we you know we we tasted it like once a month and after like two two and a half months it was like okay no more like Anello said just before it was like there's that sweet spot and that's a really small beer it's already really malty 
bourbon can enhance that that maltiness or you know it can seemingly enhance that multi that multi character and and it was you know it was right in that window or whatever and it's Oktoberfest season we took it out and so it's on tap this weekend at the tap rooms Mitch Toberfest so, <laughs> so, so how do you guys think it turned out uh, so a couple months uh, two and a half months in the barrels do you guys think it it took on any oaky notes any like vanilla bourbon oh, it kind definitely of flavor? took on bourbon and oak yeah oh yeah well that plays well with an Oktoberfest base is a different conversation it's interesting it's fun. Yep. It's different. When was the last time you heard of a bourbon barrel aged Oktoberfest? Uh, no one. Never. No. Never. <laughs> no, man. So it's awesome. We have one. That's cool. Guess what? We have a bourbon barrel aged Oktoberfest. Boom. <laughs> Are you going to see one on the shelf? Probably not. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you probably won't see it on the shelf. Yeah. It doesn't like, you know, the curse that we honestly have is I think historically, like, the bar for ourselves is really high. And so there have been beers that we've done that I don't mean to sound this, I don't mean to sound pretentious or against anybody else, but there are beers I've had that I'm like, I'm sure other breweries would probably release, but that's, it doesn't hit our bar, especially out of the barrelage program. You know, the barrelage program, there's a bar that beer's got to hit, man. If it doesn't hit that bar, it might be really good, but if it's not worthy of the name Central Waters in a barrel, it's not going out past our taproom. The taproom, that's what the taproom is for, you know, it's for that, to let people see, like, it's a glimpse. I don't expect every beer that's always on tap out of pilot systems or one-off barrels to be rock star beers that go on tap here. It's not supposed to be. The tap room is a glimpse into behind the scenes at a brewery. That's what I think it should be. It shouldn't be the brewery's ability to give you all the best shit. It should also show you the experimentation, like the fuck-ups and the one-offs. Like, sure, let's you, put it on. You guys do a lot of pilot batches out of the tap room, though? Um, we're trying to do more. I don't think we've done as many as we'd like to, but there have been them, yes. I think probably one of the coolest ones was one that Simon did, actually. After he went to the Craft Brewers Conference this spring in Washington, D.C., Simon visited the wall, Washington, D.C., the Vietnam the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall, and came back, and I remember he's like, hey, I know you fucking hate this style, which is a black IPA. I'm not a huge fan of black IPAs. He's like, but I think we should make one, put it on tap Memorial Day weekend, and give all the profits to the local veteran center. Genius done you know and so we Simon made a pilot batch of a beer called The Wall it was a black IP and it was actually really good I actually really liked that beer <laughs> alright it's a good time to take a little break and when we come back we'll see what they got going on for the rest of the year and what's going on for 2018 so we'll be right back <laughs> All right, coming out of that part of the interview, we are going to take a little break, and it's going to be a week-long break. So join us again next week for our third part of this interview series. But before we leave you, we're going to finish this thing off with a really nice tasting. We've got the Cassian Sunset and the Scotch Ale to finish off our Brewers Reserve series. Do you guys have a clear favorite here? I, I definitely do. It's a little unfair. I mean, and the Cassian is a tremendous beer. Uh, the adjuncts, the uh, cinnamon, really shines in this beer. It's tremendous. This is the beer that is, as soon as it hits the shelves, it's gone. You got a lot of liquor stores putting limits on how many bottles you can buy. Some will give you a four-pack, some will give you two bottles, some will make you get two of the Scotch Ale as well. Uh, not to knock the Scotch Ale, it's a very good beer. It's coming out pretty hot. Oh, I the, would say definitely hot. I can see how laying this down would, would work out for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me personally, the 2016 Scotch, uh, after a year, was really good. A lot of the big malt flavors come through, a lot of the sweetness, and the hotness dies away down yeah because this this one's coming off a little hot for uh for early consumption it's got a, a really nice bold flavor hell of a nose though that scotch ale yeah you can definitely taste the potential in the background oh, yeah. there's 
the great scotch malts sweetness of the malts it, it's really delicious it does pale in comparison to the cassian sunset clearly i mean the cassian is just outstanding so yeah, yeah. I, I would say the cassian is is just a well put together ale it's already perfectly developed it's it's a beer that's ready to drink now you could lay this down if you wanted to for an experiment but i don't know why you would all of the adjuncts are just going to fall off on this one and they're already perfect where they are no you, you nailed it it's like sometimes you know a beer is ready to be consumed right away and that's that's exactly what the cassian sunset is you know i i i actually am a fan of the scotch ale i do like it now i think the smell is is great i really like it yeah the I nose re- is great yeah i really love scotch ales i mean they're one of my favorite styles and when done right they really bring forth the greatness of what a malt can do i mean it really shines and this is a really great example of a scotch I, i'm still curious to see how after a year i've never had this aged for a year we, we've all have these breweries reserved series in our basement but we would just sit on one of each for a year and come back and revisit it's really interesting the as the scotch warms up i'm actually getting more flavor out of it so i I may have judged this one a little early i I would still say coming off a little hot i think you guys have the right idea about aging this one the cassian by contrast is just it's perfect the vanilla mixes with the cinnamon in a really pleasant way which mixes with the the base stout and all of those chocolate roasty flavors and then the the barrel just emphasizes the vanilla and and all of the those boozy flavors it's not coming off hot at all it's this is like anello told us in the interview this one's ready to go drink it fresh i think a little info that we should give our listeners is if you're ever in central wisconsin you're not going to find these on the shelves a lot of the time they go really quick if you're in central wisconsin make sure you stop in amherst they're going to have at least 50 percent of these beers on tap at the brewery all the time and it's it's only four dollars for about eight ounce pour and a fun little secret uh, if you are in amherst especially during the week uh, they like to release every so often some of their very special beers in just into the regular population uh now we we were managed to pick one of those up for you and uh, we're going to do a tasting of that but we're going to wait for that until the third part of our interview series with central waters that'll be coming next week wednesday so make sure you tune in any last thoughts before we head out this time yeah definitely tune in because it's a big one join us again for that third part of our interview series next week wednesday looks like we're all out of beers here fellas so we'll we'll leave it at that for now but uh, can't wait to come back with you guys for me for alex jesus brandy jim and thank you again for the gleason's for our theme music this has been a solid non-fail production no.